Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue with our study of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Ephesians chapters 1 and 2 are all about what God has done for us, bringing us from spiritual death to spiritual life and into eternal fellowship with Him and with others who belong to Christ. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 13, is a review and reminder. In chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, Paul writes a prayer that we will understand the significance of all that he has said so far, and that we will be filled up to all the fullness of God. This shows you how to pray for yourself and how to pray for every other Christian you know. Please follow along with Pastor Jim as he continues our study of today's slice of this week's message entitled, What God Wants for You. You know, Jesus made a promise back in John chapter 14, same night that he established the Lord's table. He said this, John 14, 16 through 17, I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper, that He may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see Him or know Him. But you know Him, because He abides with you and will be in you. And that was fulfilled beginning in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit came and indwelt the believers in Christ. Or as, as we saw last week in our Provoke the Pastor series... This is true for all believers. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. We all have the Spirit within us. We have Christ in us. So obviously he's not talking about the concept of the Holy Spirit indwelling believers uh, the key to understanding this lies in that word dwell. I'm praying so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. You have to pick a good word to translate it in English, and dwell is as good as we can probably get. We could circumlocute, and that's what we're going to do to explain what this means. But dwell translates a word here in, in Greek that's a compound word, katoikeo. The root of it is oikos, which is not a yogurt, it's a house. Um, uh, I was, couldn't figure why they named a yogurt house, but oh well. Um, the, the, the noun is house, oikos. There's a verb, oikeo, that means to live in as a home. This is that verb with a prefix attached to it, the prefix kata. Literally, kata means downward. And often when it's used as a prefix to a verb, it... it, it um, it intensifies the meaning of the word. So when you put that with the word dwell, it means to settle down and be at home. To, to, to really, you say, make yourself at home when the company comes. They don't, and you're glad. Um, but in the case of Christ, we want Him to settle down and be at home. 
Um, and there's another interesting factor in that this verb is in the, the aorist tense. So that's the one that implies finality. So the sense of it is praying something like that Christ might finally settle down and feel completely at home in your hearts. And notice how that happens? Through faith. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you continue to trust in Him, as you continue to obey Him for every need, moment by moment, under the control of the Holy Spirit, He will settle down and be at home in your heart. In other words, this is a way of, yet again, describing the Spirit-controlled life, which we will major on in the second half of Ephesians. But katoikeo, that verb is used for living in a place to the extent that it becomes a center of operations, really at home there, based there. And the word is used to describe the, the residents of a city as opposed to just those that are passing through. You get the idea. Over in Colossians chapter 1, verse 19, and chapter 2, verse 9, it describes the fullness of God dwelling in Christ. In James 4, 5, it describes the Spirit of God having control of, 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 a, believer's, of a believer's life. So to allow Christ to dwell in your heart by faith, as Ephesians 3.17 says, means to allow Him to make your life a place that is pleasing to Him. John chapter 14, verse 23, not long after those words that we read a little bit earlier, it says, Jesus answered and said to Him, If anyone loves Me, he will keep my word, there's trust and obey, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come into him and make our abode with him. Slightly different wording, but it's the same concept. Now this thought is so rich. I want to stop here as far as forward progress in Ephesians and I want to emphasize this for our application uh, a gentleman by the name of uh, Robert Munger was a pastor many years ago. He, he wrote a booklet that was given to me at a crucial time in my early spiritual development. It's called My Heart, Christ's Home. Just a little thing. And it's a very clever and very insightful and accurate exposition of this book. In the booklet... Jesus is portrayed as going room by room through a house. And in the analogy, the house represents various aspects of the owner's life. They went to the library. That was the control room of the house, like the mind. Jesus has to be in charge of what you're putting into your mind. They went to the, the dining room, which represents the desires and the appetites, and we need to give Jesus full control of our desires and our pleasures. They went to the drawing room. That was an intimate, comfortable, quiet place, and in Munger's little booklet, he pictures the Lord saying about the drawing room, this is indeed a delightful room. Let us come here often. It is secluded and quiet, and we can have fellowship together. And they also went to the workshop. 
That's the place where the tools of production were kept. And Munger portrays the Lord saying, What are you producing with your life for the kingdom of God? And the owner said, I have not much skill or strength. And the Lord's response is, Let me have your hands. I'll show you how to use these tools. They went to the rumpus room, for the, the playroom as it would be now. At first, the owner did not want the Lord to come to this room in his life. He said, certain associations and friendships, activities and amusements that I wanted to keep for myself are there. I evaded the issue of these. The Lord said, can I go with you? And Munger says, uh, then we went down into the rumpus room of the house, and he transformed it. He brought into life real joy, real happiness, real satisfaction, real friendship. Laughter and music have been ringing in the house ever since. Now, I'm going to let Pastor Munger's words tell you the story about the chapter called That Hall Closet. Here's what he says. There's just one more matter that I might share with you. One day I found him waiting for me at the door. There was an arresting look in his eye. He said to me as I entered, There is a peculiar odor around here. It's upstairs. I think it is in the hall closet. As soon as he said the words, I knew what he was talking about. Yes, there was a small hall closet behind lock and key. I had one or two personal things that I did not want anybody to know about, and certainly I did not want Christ to see. I knew that they were dead and rotting things, and yet I loved them, and I wanted them so for myself that I was afraid to admit that they were there. I went up the stairs with him, and as we mounted, the odor became stronger and stronger. He pointed at the door and said, it's in there, some dead thing. I was angry. That's the only way I can put it. I had given him access to the library, the dining room, the drawing room, the workshop, the rumpus room, and now he was asking me about a little two-by-four closet. I said inwardly, this is too much. I'm not going to give him the key. Well, he said, reading my thoughts, if you think I'm going to stay up here on the second floor with this odor, you are mistaken. I will take my bed out on the back porch. I'm certainly not going to put up with that. And I saw him start down the stairs. When you have come to know and love Christ, the worst thing that can happen to you is to sense his fellowship retreating from you. I had to surrender. I'll give you the key, I said sadly. But you'll have to open that closet. You'll have to clean it out. I haven't the strength to do it. I know, he said. I know you haven't. Just give me the key. Just authorize me to take care of that closet, and I will. So with trembling fingers, I passed the key over to him. He took it from my hand, walked over to the door, opened it, entered it, took out all the putrefying stuff that was rotting there, and threw it away. Then he cleansed the closet painted it, fixed it up, doing it all in a moment's time. Oh, what victory and release to have that dead thing out of my life. 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.